Welcome to the Epic Agent Success Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Weaver and Jacoby Kendrick. This podcast is dedicated to newer agents in the business who want the fast track to success. 90% of agents fail in their first year of business. Our goal is to help guide your journey away from the common mistakes most agents make and help you grow and build your business to epic levels you know you're capable of and desire. All right, let's get right into this thing. We are on the Epic Agent Success Podcast. I'm here with my great friend and co-host, Mr. Jerry Weaver. In case you haven't noticed, there's a little bit of a different vibe here with the podcast, taking a little bit of a different turn here, uh, wanting to uh, get our our listeners and give them a little bit more value. So we're gonna be we're gonna be changing things up here from uh, this point on, moving forward with a little bit more real estate related content. Still got our success uh, mindset going on here, but success specifically in the real estate industry, in the real estate realm. We want to help you get epic agent success. We want to help you get epic success in your real estate business and throughout real estate. Because I just heard a crazy stat here. I'm probably going to fudge this stat up, but I think NAR just came out and they said, what was it, 70% or like 80% of agents haven't even sold three homes this year. And that was the summer. So the failure rate is too high in real estate. And now we are here to help you on your path to 1.6 million real estate agents and 1.3 of them haven't sold more than four homes is what that report was. 1.3 1.3 million haven't sold four homes. Yeah. That's so insane. what does that what does that mean? That means some people need some help. That means they need help. We need some epic success up in this piece. Yep. That's what so we're here we are. Do. We're changing it up. We finally, I think, have some clarity and a direction of who who we want to talk to. And it's I think this is there's a huge need here. And I think it speaks volumes to us, at least it does me. That that we're going to be able to take a lot of the stuff we learned, a lot of the relationships we've developed, and we're going to be able to bring those to the agents that are looking for help. And we think that um, it's it's good. we're going to have a good time while we're doing it. Um, but we think it's really really important that uh, we can try to help help some agents get past that hurdle of not being able to to do enough business to sustain their life in real estate. Yeah, that's exactly right. So on this episode, we're going to be talking to you about that, about uh, our change here in the podcast, and then mm-hmm. also about our first deal and how you can not no longer have to worry about where your next deal is going to come from. So Jerry and I are very qualified to talk on this topic. And so Jerry, just give a little bit of your of your journey from when you first started in real estate, right? What was your what was your mindset? Where did you come from? Because you have a really, really good story. And then how does that translate into epic agent success? Because you've basically gone from zero, not knowing anyone in the industry or not having anyone in your family in the industry, and then going to an absolute top agent. So how do you do that? How do you go from zero to hero? So when I first got into real estate, I was actually working for a heating and cooling contractor. I was running their commercial division. um, And so I was running the tax and handling all their sales. And how I ended up getting into that kind of to go back is I owned my own heating and cooling business that uh, my brother and I had to bury in 2010. Um, 2008, everything turned sideways. Um, A lot of our big clientele that we had at the time 
had left the area. They pulled their businesses out of the Detroit area. And so our business really took a tumble. We we probably held on a year too long. We uh, kind of fought and clawed. And but in 2010, it was uh, we pulled the plug on it. And um, so I did the only thing I knew uh, to do at the time. And that was, you know, selling and heating and cooling. So I took our what was left of our customer list and went with them, met with a couple contractors and got um, and picked up a job um, with my customer list and my ability and worked there for three years. And at the end of that year of 2000, I guess it'd been in 2012, uh, I saw some writing on the wall in the company I was at. And when you are one of the upper level managers and you stop getting invited to management meetings, uh, that's kind of a clear sign that they're heading in a different direction. And I actually thought I was going to get let go before Christmas, um, but I didn't. Uh, they let the residential, my counterpart on the residential side, they let him go and they kept me on. And so, but I knew it was coming. So at that time, I decided that I was going to get my real estate license. I'd been playing around with the idea of getting getting my license. I had a broker, um, Mike D, uh, who owned 3DX Real Estate. Um, really on me about getting my real estate license. And he always said that I would do really well at it. He saw something to the point. He actually bought my course for me. One day I'm sitting there and he goes, I get a text. Hey, check your email, pull up my email. And there was the link for the course. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And so I kind of drug my feet on it for a while. But then when I knew that I needed to make a transition, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to look at the real estate. So I made the commitment to do the 40-hour online course in a week. Uh, so I worked during the day, come home at night, sit at the dining room table, and crank that course out. Uh, took the test, got my license. Still kind of keeping it quiet because I had a job. And But um, how it ended up working out was the day I decided that, okay, I went on my LinkedIn profile and I changed the profile. Within two days, I was in the office of the of the owner's company at the heating and cooling. And it was April 19th, 2013. That was my birthday. I got let go. And that's what started my full-time real estate career. Yeah. We never know what's going to be in the cards for us. We never know what's going to be in the cards for us for sure. So you'll never believe my, my, yeah. So my journey started out uh, as an investor got my real estate license. And I remember when I decided I wasn't going to be doing my normal job anymore either. Cause that's, I mean, that's really usually most of the case, right? There's not a lot of people that in, in if you surveyed folks and how they got into the real estate industry, the people who aspire to be agents, that population I think is very, very small. Most of us just fall into it. And then, you know, we fall into it and think, and then we're like, Oh, I want, more freedom. I'm, I want more money. I can close maybe one or $2 million deals and be good for the year, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so I remember when I got my license, I was like, man, I have no clue what I need to do. I have no idea where my next deal is going to come from. I don't, what am I going to do with my, with my days? And so uh, <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. That's the biggest thing I remember thinking like, all right, I'm full-time real estate. Uh, what do I do? What next? Yeah. You get that license because you you do all this stuff to get your license, and then, uh, okay, 
I've I've been given, you know, the license, but I haven't been given any clients or anything like that. It's like everything that you do on the test does not teach you how to lead generate or how to find a client, which is probably the most important part Mm -hmm. of your real estate journey, especially in the beginning. So let's transition on over to that. Like, where did you find your first deal? Now your 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 story is going to be a little bit uh, unique, and yeah. uh, so so I'm interested to hear how you're going to flip this around uh, on uh, where to get your where where you got your first deal and where folks can find their first deal from. So tell everybody who doesn't know because I already know you know yeah. how quickly you got your first deal, and uh, yeah, let us yeah. know all about that, Mister Jerry. So I was keeping it on the down low that I was getting my real estate license. And some of that was like, I didn't want my company to find out, but some of it was, I was a little bit nervous about making that transition and a little bit nervous about like, I didn't really want to be like, oh, I'm going to take my real estate test. And then how'd you do? Oh, I didn't pass the test. Like, And so I kind of kept that a little on the down low. Well, in Michigan, if you select your broker on your application, when you take your test, you go and take the test. Uh, and if you pass the test, they actually print your license off right there. So I went uh, on that day to take my test, uh, went through the test. And I'm not one when I test, I, like I don't really go back and change a lot of answers. I'd left a couple blank that I had to go back to, filled them in. And then you sit there and you're right. You, and then like, so I waited probably a minute to submit. Like, all right, here we go. Submit. And that thing started spinning. And all of a sudden, a green box came up. You passed. And it's like, woo I passed. And so I walked out of the room. And by the time I got out of there, the guy was already printing my license. And so I already had uh, had my license. Literally walked out of the door of that office. I was in the hallway. And my phone rings. And it's my buddy, Scott. And uh, he's, I go, you'll never guess what. And I don't even remember what he really called me about. I go, you never guess what. I just got my real estate license and I uh, literally walking out, just passed the test. He goes, you're kidding me. And he acted all like really surprised and weird about it. I'm like, yeah, what, um, I think this is the route I'm going. He goes, you won't even believe it. He goes, last night, D and I decided that we're moving to Canton and they lived in Redford at the time. And so, yeah, we decided we're moving. And so within, I mean, literally within two minutes of having my license, it was still warm off the printer. I had my first client. Now, Jacoby's saying, how are you going to transition to that to help? Because not everybody's going to have that story, right? Well, what it comes down to, I see so many agents make this mistake, is that when they become an agent, it's like they're a secret agent. They don't tell anybody. When you get your license, man, it's crucial. You have to tell every single person you know that you have your real estate license, because that's where your first deal most likely will come from, is the people you know. So I think that's uh that's crucial you have to let people know and you know i mean we have so many tools to let people know social media you know phone calls text you just need to let everyone know that you have your real estate license and you got to be fired up about it because if you got your license i know you're excited but it's so intimidating sometimes that kind of pushes you down Um, but you got to be fired up about having that license and you have to let people know you got to let people know i think that's um you fall into two camps either People, there's two types of people that I've seen is that uh, one is folks that are really excited and they'll tell everybody that they got their license. And then there's the other person who is they're excited, but they won't tell anybody that they got their license. So you're going to fall in one of those two camps. And 
personally, I think you need to fall into the camp where you tell everybody, everybody needs to know that you're an agent. Everybody knows an agent. The agent that gets chosen, though, is the the agent that's there when the client needs an agent. So whoever's top of mind when that person is going to buy a house is the agent that's going to win. Because most of the time you don't, you only need an agent. How many times do you need an agent in your life? You probably only need an agent if you're the average person three times, maybe four times in your life total. So what does that mean? That means that people aren't just sitting around saying, oh, whenever I buy a house, I'm thinking about you. Now they'll tell you that. But the fact of the matter is there's too much going on. People's attention is spread out in too many different ways. So you need to be top of mind every single time someone thinks about selling a house. You want to be occupying that space in people's brains that you have a license, you are an agent, and you can take care of them. Doesn't matter how much experience you have or anything about that. The What people need to know is that you're going to take care of them. That's the main thing that people need to know, right? So that is absolutely right. You want to be, you want to let people know that you have a license. If they don't know, how can they use you? Well, here's the other thing why you want to let them know, because if you don't let people know, your feelings are going to get hurt because somebody, you know, is going to talk, post on Facebook, oh, check out our new house. Or like, it drives me crazy when I drive through my neighborhood and I see somebody else's sign. Or like my neighbor has a sign in their yard, like that right there, just drive you bonkers. And so you need to let them know. Because in most of those instances, when that's happened to me, well, how would my neighbor know that my sign should be in his yard? I never, you know, I didn't do a lot on my part to make sure that I would be their agent. And so it should be no surprise to me that they went with some somebody else. And so if you don't let people know, you are going to get your feelings hurt and it stings when you know that you need a client, you need a closing, and then somebody you know that's really close to you, you know, goes a different direction. But majority of the time I find that, you know, I'm the one that's responsible for that because I didn't do a good enough job letting them know that I wanted to make sure that I was their agent. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is it's a it is totally your fault if somebody doesn't know that you're an agent. It's totally your fault. You said one point, how many agents in the United States? 1.6 million. 1.6 million. And I think that's just by uh, NAR, right? So that's Correct. Uh, realtors. There could, I think there could be more people that actually have a license, but that's just uh, the number of realtors. You know, you can have a, you can have a, uh, you can have a license and not be a realtor. So, but that's 1.6 million. That's a lot of, of uh, license holders, or that's a lot of realtors. So you could probably throw a rock in any town and hit a realtor. So there's, there's no shortage of realtors at the moment. Oh, it's hilarious when somebody posts on Facebook, like, Oh, I need a realtor in such and such market. And you're like, Oh, here we go. Because it's going to blow up. That post will blow up. That's the easiest. Yeah. That's the, (laughs) the, we're uh, everywhere, man. Yeah, exactly. I just had one of those the other day. It's hilarious. (laughs) And not only are we everywhere, but our information has to be everywhere. Like we're the easiest people to find and get a hold of. Exactly. There's right. no, my cell phone's not a secret. My email address is not a secret. That's right. So my first deal, I actually uh, did a deal. I'm just gonna say my first real estate deal. I did a deal before I even had my license. And so before I had my license, I was uh, in the real estate investment space. And the first deal that I got was actually on a bandit sign. 
So what is a bandit sign? A bandit sign is basically those signs that you see uh, up around your town that says we buy ugly houses or we buy homes or something to that. Sell your house, sell your house fast for cash, those types of signs. And so I would wake up <laughs> early, early mornings. And uh, I didn't know I had, you used to do bandit signs. Yeah, man. I love that was that was the easiest way. I had like the corrugated signs and I got a Sharpie out and then I just wrote on there. We buy ugly houses. And then I had a Google voice number on there. 432. Can't remember the number. 222-5151, something like that. And so I had and I bought one of those uh, long sticks. They had these long sticks and it had like a stapler on the end of it. And you'd put the sign on the on the end with the stapler and you'd hold this stick up and you'd bang it on the uh, on the uh, post, like a light post or a telephone pole. But the reason why you had this stick is because it needed to be high up in the air People because bandit signs are actually illegal. So I'm not I'm not uh, at least they are in my town. You need to check your city ordinances. But uh, so I'm not telling you to break any laws or, or any uh, city ordinances in your town. But. I was desperate. I wanted to make some money and I wanted to get into real estate. And so uh, I had this thing. And the reason why you have it on this long pole and you bang it up on top of the power pole is because that way the city can't take them down. (laughs) And so, you know, you got this sign that's like 10 feet up in the air. And, uh, you know, you look at those things and you're like, man, that's silly. Who is going to call in on a sign that looks like that? And that's exactly the point. The person who's going to call in on that sign is the person who needs your services. You are actually repelling everyone that you don't want to call you and you are attracting the people that you do want to call you. So I will say bandit signs are one of the most effective forms of marketing that you can do. So I got this call from this guy and uh, he's like, hey, you know, what's what's the deal here? You buy houses or whatever. I got this house and uh, I need to sell it. And man, I was pumped because this was going to be this was the first deal I ever got under contract. The house was uh, in pretty bad shape, which everybody that calls in on a on a bandit sign has a house that is in bad shape. Nobody calls you with a house that is immaculate. So just so you know that be ready. So this guy calls in, he's like, I got this house. I go by and I take a look at this house and I'm like, man, this is, this is a, this, this house is terrible. And I I was scared. I was scared out of my mind. People are like, man, where are you, where do you find deals at? Where do you get deals? And the first one I had, and I was like, man, okay, you know what I can offer you on this house? I can offer you $50,000 for this house. And uh, the guy didn't like it. He went back, tried to sell it himself, couldn't sell it himself, and came to come to find out that fifty thousand dollars is actually a pretty good deal on this house. Now, I did the value on this house when after everything was said and done, this house was going to be worth a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and it was only going to take like eighty grand to fix this house up. It was going to be a smoking hot deal. I couldn't believe it. So we do all this stuff, we get everything done. And then uh, come to find out the guy's got a federal tax lien on the property. He can't even sell it. So, but that's how I found my first deal is a bandit sign, crazy corrugated sign with a Sharpie marker. Got a call, talked to the guy and that was it. It was absolutely awesome. Got my second deal like that as well too, but bandit signs do work. But the key is you got to be out there. You got to be marketing. And uh, that's how you're going to find uh find those people looking looking to looking to buy or sell so that's when you were investing what uh do you remember what your first deal when you decided to be a retail 
Yeah. So the first, when I first decided to be a, when I decided to be a retail agent, my first buyer client was actually someone who actually came into the office. They just, they just walked into our office and I was, I was there. So, you know, we had the sign outside, somebody walked in, said they wanted to buy a house and I, uh, I just helped them help them buy their house. It was the easiest thing I had done because doing, when you're doing bandit signs and all that, that stuff's hard. That stuff's really hard. But then I got, uh, this one buyer from, from just walking in the office and I was like, man, this is so well easy compared to trying to go out and find somebody with a, a bandit sign that wants to sell their house for below market value, right? Someone that's in a distressed situation. So yeah. And the key point with that is, is where are you going to find your next deal, right? Somebody's usually, unless you're marketing for yourself, someone usually is going to bring you a deal. And so it doesn't matter where that deal comes from, but you need to have a relationship with someone. You can get that from a referral. You can get that from uh, someone who, one of your past clients that brings you someone. Or you can get it from your broker like I did. Basically, that deal came from my broker because my broker put the signage up. My broker had the office. They were praying for the office, and that's how that deal came in. But um, you got to have a relationship in order to bring in bring in a deal. Yeah, so those are the one-off deals, right? And so that's kind of like a little obscure, but kind of on a big picture where I think uh, what I think would help the most is what I did my first year is one, I, I you know, I did a couple things. I, I jumped on Facebook at the time and I just started posting all kinds of stuff about real estate. And most of the people in my circle knew that I'd had a few rough years, you know, um, when we closed down that heating and cooling company in 2010, um, I went bankrupt and we ended up getting foreclosed on in 2012. Uh, and you know, there was just, it, it was, it was just anything we weren't coming back from at the time. And, uh, so a lot of people that were close to me knew that, it had been a rough couple of years. And so I chose to just go all in on Facebook of just being super positive, making it look like I was super busy. I mean, I could take, you know, I could take one listing or I could take one deal and turn that into like nine different posts. Um, like, Oh, we looked at these houses today. Oh, we wrote an offer. Oh, we are under contract. Oh, inspection. Oh, appraisal went good. Uh, oh, closing day. Oh, happy clients. And so I was able to convert that one deal into all these posts. And I, I just wanted to make sure that I had a good volume and everything I did when I posted it. I mean, I, it was, it was all very positive. It was all very like, I mean, I love this job and that's what people were attracted to. And so I started getting referrals based on that stuff from people that I knew people at church, people through my kids' sports. And um, so I had that. And then the other thing that I chose to do was uh, my broker had a referral program that was really expensive. If you look like, you know, one as agents, we're always talking about our splits and how that program worked is if I got a deal from them, we immediately, we had to pay 35% to in-house, uh, like in-house real estate at the time, which was owned by Quicken. That's where we were getting the referrals. So we had to pay them 35% right off the top. And then I split the remaining 65% 50, 50 with my broker. And so I was making about 1% on all the deals. And I've heard a lot of agents say, oh, it's just not worth it. But the volume of work and the experience I got off of spending that money was was phenomenal. Plus I ended up getting a lot of repeat business. So long-term that really worked out for me. 
But so just be cautious in dismissing something because you think the split's too big. You have to look at the bigger picture and can you do a volume of work to keep those closings coming in and keep those paychecks coming in? Yeah, that's really good. So the, the the initial thing we talked about here today on this episode is how to find your how do we find our first deal. So when you're beginning starting out, your first deal is the first is the first hurdle. So how do you find the first deal? And then once you find the first deal, the next step is, is how do you find the next deal and how do you keep a a steady flow of deals coming in so that you don't, you know, you're not going to get discouraged or, you know, you're not you're not worried about how am I going to make this thing work, right? And so the thing I would say is we always we always talk about splits and commissions and all that uh, whenever we're agents in the in the industry, and I think that's a mistake. Just like you're saying, that's a mistake for new agents. And so what I would say is in the beginning when you start your career, what you want to concentrate on is number of transactions. You want to have the highest number of transactions that you can have, especially early in your career, because that's going to help you, number one, with your experience. And yes, I get it. You do have to you know, make enough money in order to live, which is the hard part. But if you do, the, but the answer to that is doing more deals, because as you do more deals, more people are going to know who you are. And as more people know who you are, you're going to learn how to... Uh, get referrals from folks receive referrals based off the business that you're doing. And that's just going to compound on things. The reason why most of the agents who have been in for a while do most of the deals is because they've been doing deals and people know who they are. So you're going to either have repeat business or you're going to have referral business. And so the thing I would say is don't concentrate on how much money you're making or how much the deal is going to make. I mean, of course, you still have to, you're not going to do anything for free, but number of transactions is the most important, not volume, number of transactions, because that's what's going to help you over time if you're in it for the long haul. And the thing I'll tell you is if you have 10 properties under contract, if you have 10 clients under contract and you have two fall out, that's a better situation than having two clients under contract and having two fall out. Now, if you have two under contract and two fall out, you, it is not a good week. It is not a good month for you. I've had that happen multiple times. And, uh, I, I remember it happened. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but I just remember it was, it was March or April of one year. And man, I had like four deals and three of them fell out. And I just, it all hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, man, the only answer for me on this is for me to do more deals. It's not the matter of trying to keep these deals together. It's a matter of how do I do more deals? That's the answer to everything. So while you're fighting over your commission, you're losing out because you're not doing more deals. So that that is a key foundation, especially for young agents. You know, you don't negotiate all, everything up front. You know, you don't negotiate everything up front. You got to show your value. You got to provide your value. Then as you start doing deals, now you've got more leverage to actually negotiate maybe your commission or something like that. You know, if you become the top agent in your in your office, in your marketplace, then all of a sudden it hurts a little bit more for you to leave the brokerage or for you to, to pull out that production, right? And so uh, that's mm -hmm. the approach you got to take for sure. I, I also know from experience that having more deals under contract makes me better for my client. Uh, because I'm not operating out of fear. I know like there's times in my career where I've had one or two deals 
you know, under contract. And um, I'm probably a lot more conservative in the way I negotiate that. I, I can look back on it and say that I've never made, uh, you know, a blatant decision that was just to make sure I got my check that harmed my client. I know that for, you know, I'm 100% sure of that. But I will say that when I when I have more deals pending, I'm a lot more confident in how I handle the transactions for my client. And that has been something that I've had to work through, uh, especially early in my career. Yeah. So let's transition now, like how to ne- how to never wonder where your next deal is going to come from. How can we be confident of like having a pipeline of business coming through? Because that's always the, 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 the issue, right? Once you close one, you got to find the next one. How do we, how do we, how do we solve that problem? What do we do from there? So you have to stay consistent. The issue that agents have, including myself, um, when I find something that works, I do it and do it and do it. And then what do we typically do uh, when, you know, this is working and I'm doing good. And so I stopped doing what was working and then it drops off. So you have to, one, stay, when you find your niche or you find what works for you, uh, you have to stay consistent with it. And so I don't know if this is exactly what you're looking for, but if I had to uh, do one thing that made sure that I had consistent funnel of business, for me, I would be contacting my sphere of influence. That's my, you know, my personal circle, my sphere of influence. So um, I've got them all on a list. Um, I know uh, the ones that I think will give me a referral. I think that the, you know, I have the list of the people that if a, if something popped off in the real estate market, I think they would know to send people to me. I'm confident that I, my relationship with them is that way. And then I have ones that I know and have all their contact information, but I'm not 100% confident. So I need to make sure that they remember who I am. The one thing that has been the most successful for me is calling them and not asking them for business, but asking for them for help on who they know or who they could refer to me in real estate or who, you know, anybody they know who's looking to buy or sell. And it's an actual phone conversation, pick it up and have that conversation with the people that I know and who they know. And that would be, uh, to me, that's still the quickest, easiest way to build the business up. I mean, that's something right now that I'm even, uh, we're launching next week internally in our team is that we're going to do a contest. Hey, you know, it's going to be who can get 10 referrals, um, off of their sphere of influence or who can get the most referrals uh, from their sphere of influence. And we're going to have an internal contest. Uh, that to me is the, the quickest, easiest way to get consistent business. Yeah. So you've got to become an expert at lead generation, right? So mm-hmm. all sales, anytime you're doing sales in anything, it's a lead generation business. You got to learn how to generate a lead. And then once you generate the lead, then you got to learn how to convert the lead into a client, right? So the first thing you got to do is you got to find a pond where people are, you got to find a pond where your fish are at. And what fish are you looking? You're looking for people who are wanting to buy or sell a house, right? And if you're new you got to do that quickly. Like you don't have time to wait around and say, oh, well, uh, let me talk to this person or talk to this person. So you need to find a spot where people are that are looking for houses. And my first recommendation would be, you know, usually when we start out as well, we don't have a lot of cash either, right? So you don't have a lot of money that you can throw at the problem. If you do have a lot of cash, 
then, you know, I think the first place you should go would be someone who's going to provide you with some leads that are of good quality, right? Someone who has already raised their hand and said, hey, I am looking for a house or I am trying to sell a house. And so the thing I would say your first option should be number one, if you're looking for listings is going to be for sale by owners and expired. That's the first place. These people have already raised their hand. They've already said they want to sell. The only thing is they haven't been successful, number one, with an agent if they're an expired. And if they're a for sale by owner, they don't see the value of an agent or they want to try it on their own. And so the thing I would say is get skilled at talking to those people. But those people are the first people who have already said, I want to do this, right? And then if you if you want to work with buyers, the thing I would say is you need to go out and find someone, which I first would start out with your broker. Your broker would be the first source of leads that I would start with. They're already on your team. They already want to help you be successful. And usually if your broker is going to give you a lead or give you something, they're going to take a little piece of the pie, right? You're not going to get 100%. You shouldn't expect 100%. And, but they should also give you some support as well. And so what I would say is go to your broker first, build a relationship with your broker and uh, do the training where your broker knows and feels confident that you're going to take care of that individual and then show them that you can close, you know, show them that, show them that you can close. Your broker is going to find a way to get you, get people in front of you so that you can be successful. Now, there's a lot of different categories in that, right? It could be phone time. It could be just being at the office and someone walking in. It could be somebody that your broker actually knows and then they don't want to show them around or take them around or anything like that. And so they hand them off to you. That could be a lot of different things. But you want to be searching in a spot where people are looking for real estate. If you talk to your broker, you know your broker is going to be talking to people that are wanting to get into real estate. I know this is not going to be popular, but Zillow is also a good spot as well. People search, folks, I don't care what you say. People are on Zillow. If you're in real estate and you talk to someone and they tell you they have not looked at Zillow, man, I would be shocked out of my mind. So if everybody's using Zillow, then, you know, you got to find a way to extract those people from Zillow. That's 100%. That's 100%. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you say. Everybody's going to be pissed off. I already know. I don't care. But Zillow's got all the eyes, guys. Zillow's got all the eyes. We don't have the other uh, the other folks in my area, but uh, what is it? Redfin, I think, is uh, they probably got them and Open Door and whoever else, man. But you got to start getting on these platforms, homes.com. All of these platforms, you need to have a profile on every single platform. You need to have a link to your website on those platforms. You also need to have all of your sales on those platforms because people are going around. That's how they're finding things. They're just searching on the internet. And these big companies, they've got the dollars to advertise to people. And they're going to be searching around and they're going to be looking. So that's that's the key is finding someone who is already looking for real estate. People on these sites are looking for real estate. That's not to say you shouldn't go ahead and talk to your friends and family too, but your friends and family, it's going to be a little bit slower because they're going to be onesie twosie, right? If you're on these real estate websites, people are actively looking for real estate there. Yep. It's uh, the two areas that we talked about, like historically, that's what you see. There, There's agents that are all in on the the, the model I shared where I'm going after my sphere of influence and referral and word of mouth. 
And then there are agents that are all like, they're not going to talk to their personal circle. They're going all in online. And the one thing that you have to be, I mean, so careful of, there is no shortage of gadgets and bells and whistles to pay for in this industry. And so you have to get really clear on what you're looking for and how you want to look for it. Because every time you turn around, you can subscribe to something. And uh, that is, you know, you can end up all of a sudden, I mean, there's been times I look and all of a sudden I'm subscribed to like 15, 16 different things and not making any money on, you know, 14 of them. And so it's just, you got to be really careful when you get in because people are going to be coming at you. Oh, try this, try this. And you're, you're wanting to try anything. You want to try anything that you think is going to work. That's exactly right. And so the thing I would say is Jerry and I are opposites on how we went after our, I was absolutely terrified <laughs> to talk to anybody I knew about real estate. Cause I, I, I hold a real value in like being able to help someone at a high level. And I knew that I didn't know anything about real estate. So I was like, Oh, I'm not calling my sphere. I'm not doing anything like that. But yet Jerry, that's the first, those are the first people he went to. You know, I can't think of how quickly I might have gotten a deal faster if I would have uh, spoken to everybody that I would have known, because those people usually want to help you out, man. If I tell my parents, I told my parents I was getting my license, man, they tell it. They told everybody man, it was crazy. They wanted to help me out so bad. If somebody says anything about real estate, my dad is going to be all up in their chili, letting them know that <laughs> I can help them buy or sell anything. It's pretty wild. So. Part of it was I didn't know there was another option at the beginning. Like I didn't know there was a thing called scripts. I didn't know that I was supposed to be learning what to say or what to what I need to know about the business. And so for me, is I just went to my natural default, my relationships. Uh, it took me two years, I think, before I ever heard of a thing called the script, and that was because of the that wasn't in the culture at the brokerage I was at. That's exactly right. So whenever you're starting out, getting your first deal under contract as quickly as possible is going to be the best uh, the best route for you. And it should not take you months to get your first deal under contract. You should expect to be under contract with your first deal within 60 days. Within 60 days, you should be under contract. And you're going to feel like there's no way I'm qualified to have this deal under contract. And this is where you're going to lean on your broker or your team leader uh, for those moments. Um, because you're going to be like, what am I doing? I have no idea. But you should be able to get that deal under contract in the first 60 days, for sure. Yeah. So that stat we talked about there at the <laughs> the first of the first of the episode that uh, you know 1.3 million realtors have not done four deals. You know, you should have your first deal under contract within the first 60 days. So if you have 60 days there, that's two months. You should have a minimum of six deals in your first year having you having your for in your first year being done. So uh, that should be a goal for you. If that is not the case, you should be doing an autopsy on why am I not, why do I not have a deal or why am I not close to getting a deal? Because you the things you do every day uh, should be moving you towards that goal. So let's go ahead, wrap this thing up. What do you got? What are your closing and parting shots here, Jerry, on uh, getting your first deal and also having a deal flow, having uh, knowing where your next deal is coming from? Yeah, you have to, um, I think the best thing to do is to be consistent. And the best way to do that is be consistent with your mornings. You need to control your morning before noon. And so that means you need to be getting up and doing whatever your morning looks like. But you should be, you know, come, you know, eight, 
between eight and nine, you should be into your prospecting, into whatever that looks like for you. Are you going to be texting people, calling people, emailing people? Like you need to set that side that that time apart. And for me, it was nine to noon um, when I was new in the business, and like that nine to noon time, you couldn't touch it. That was, uh, you know, I had a I had an office at the house, and I had put a dollar sign and I taped it to the door, and that was me. Nobody could bug me during that time, and that was that had to be crucial time for me in in just pushing the business forward. Because the one thing I have learned, dude, is if you start doing the right things. Even if you don't know if they're the right things, but if you just start putting in the work, good things are going to happen. Like I would all of a sudden, you know, like there'd be times where like, man, I'm not getting anywhere at the sphere. So I'm going to go and call expireds. And I mean, you, there's a, there's a million other things I'd rather do than call expireds personally. Uh, just it, but I've grounded out and all of a sudden I'm not getting anywhere with my sphere. So, but I'm going to call expireds. And so I'm calling, 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 calling. And all of a sudden I get a text. Hey, can you talk about selling my mom's house? And so just by doing the work and having the right energy and that I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to attract business, business will be attracted to you. That is exactly right. That is exactly exactly right. So uh, the thing that I'll part, I'll end up with is just you got to let people know that uh, that you are actually in the game. You've got to let people know that you are actually selling real estate now. You've got to let people know that you are an agent. So don't be a secret agent. Your mind's probably going to tell you to be small, but you got to be big. So you got to get out there and let folks know that you are actually in the game of selling real estate and put yourself out there. Let people know that uh, that they can use you, that they can uh, get advice from you and then show people that you're growing. I think that's the main part and the main uh, main factor for you here uh, as we sit there and just and be hungry for that first deal. You've got to be hungry for the first deal in order to get it. See yourself, see yourself mentally getting your first deal and go out there and do everything that you can uh, in order to do that. So, all right. So we're going to wrap it up here. We uh, appreciate you listening in to the podcast here. We're in the new format format here. Let us know uh, exactly what you think of the new format. Moving on to uh, real estate for Jerry, Jerry and I helping out you helping you be successful in your real estate journey. We wanted you to get epic success. And so uh, we're going to close it on out and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Epic Agent Success Podcast. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you've received value today, we hope you'll give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Don't forget, we love sharing our experiences and offering tips to agents looking to grow. So come join us on our Facebook page, the Epic Agent Success Podcast, and stay connected.